Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, sock em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, if Ken Flo did not like you, Brian Petrie, there's just no way we'd be going triple box off the top of the show. It's great to have everybody with us. It is episode 387 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. So we're getting with you a little bit later in the week. And, you know, a lot of the big gun Brian Petrie fans, they want you on Sunday or Monday. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell folks. We're, we're getting our Petrie dish a little bit later in the week now. That's right. Helps me so, with the uh, line, so let's, let's do it. Well, there you go. All right, so a couple things that I want to get to off the top with you boys, and then we'll, we will get into our UFC 284 selections. Also coming up, severe MMA, Sean Sheehan in the back end of the program. A lot of interesting things to get to with uh, with Mr. Sheehan. But uh, I just wanted to begin with Francis Ngannou. You know, Ken Flo's being quoted talking about some of these PFL heavyweights and how they might fare were Francis Ngannou to step into that heavyweight division. So, Bri, I'll start with you, and then we'll transition to the former three-time UFC title challenger, Kenny Florian. <laughs> Fucking never gets old, right? Fought for the, the, yeah, just fought for the UFC title three times, motherfucker. You know? It's a casual. Just casually. So Francis Ngannou may compete in boxing. There are going to be options. His next fight might be in mixed martial arts. But Brian Petrie, yeah. as disappointed as I am that I'm not going to see him fight Stipe Miocic or John Jones right. or Steve Ogan again, what are your thoughts on Ngannou in boxing versus mixed martial arts? And ultimately, what are you most excited to see? So I'm a fan of both sports, and I don't want to see him. I mean, listen, I will watch, but I don't want to. Tyson Fury would butcher Francis Ngannou. It's just as simple as that. Francis has big power, but if you look at the technique, you look at his movement, you look at all these things that boxing is so different, he gets butchered. He gets butchered by Yante Wilder, who's not the best boxer. He's more of a power guy. You know, Anthony Joshua, there's big names out there. 
I don't want to see it. I think he needs to stick to MMA. I know that was one of the big sticking claws, at least the rumors were, hey, I want to box too. I don't want to just be an MMA guy. Getting a little older, I want the big payday, which is fine. Get your money. Get paid. But uh, I think it's really going to hurt his legacy. I think, you know, listen, there's power and then there's technique, and I just think he has one of those. I, don't, I, I think his technique is, is, is lacking, uh, at least on the boxing side, and that's just my humble opinion. I'll let Ken Flo maybe discuss a little further. Yeah, no, Brian, I think you're right. Listen, uh, I, maybe this is a poor analogy, but I would compare it to, you know, let's say you get a triathlete to a marathon runner or a swimmer, you know, to take a triathlete, no matter how good they are and say, okay, well, we're just going to, we're going to put you against the best swimmer, long distance swimmer, we're going to put you against the best long distance runner. It's not quite what they do. They are specialists for a reason. And when you're talking about Tyson Fury, six foot seven, a guy who knows how to move tremendous footwork, he's got a chin from hell. Um, I, I don't love that matchup. However, I think uh, I do love the payday for Francis Ngannou. If yeah. that goes down, you got to imagine that's why he's doing it. That is life changing money. The same way that Conor McGregor uh, took that fight against Floyd Mayweather. So, yeah, um, it, it would be great to see Francis Ngannou uh, get that payday. I, I would prefer to see him in a mixed martial arts setting. Yeah. Uh, however, th that's probably a payday that uh, very few fighters would be able to turn down. Yeah. So Brian Petrie, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in the state of Ohio, which means that mm -hmm. you can get really out of control on that application, mm -hmm. right? You don't even have to cross state lines. Like, if you already bet on the Super Bowl or no? No, no, I have not. I, uh, I mean, I listen. I got, I got freaking hammered last night on the fights. I was awful in pretty much everything, but I, I have not been on the Super Bowl. It's the Eagles versus the refs, right? The Eagles versus the refs, not the Chiefs. The refs yeah, are playing, right? right? right. Nah, as the Cincinnati guy, I had to take a dig there. Uh, no, no listen, we actually um, haven't talked to you since uh, your out. Cincinnati Bengals were wronged yeah. yet again. I mean, what yeah. the fuck, man? It was brutal. I, I Listen, I, I, am, I grew up in the 90s, so I'm surrounded by miserable Bengals fans. Everyone jumps ship. There's so many Cowboys, Steelers fans. I stayed true. My real dad was a Packers fan. I said, fuck you. I'm ride or die Jeff Blake here in the Bengals. So it's nice to have a team that you can be really proud of. So I'm, I'm diehard with them and I'm very positive, but the refing was, was suspect for sure. But with that being said, cooler heads have prevailed. We did have the ball with two thirty left driving down the field. We did hit a third and 16 with Hayden Hurst to get a first down. We were about halfway through and we stalled. We could have won the game. We could have iced the game. Yeah. We gave them back. So, you know, I'm just happy. I mean, we went to the fucking Super Bowl last year. I hate being one of these guys because I'm very upset that we lost. Went to the Super Bowl last year, almost went again this year. We got a franchise quarterback that we're going to pay in the offseason. Uh, I, I mean, to be a Bengals fan right now, it's pretty goddamn good. So I can't complain too much. But, uh, yeah, there were some calls in there that were mm, a little, little, little skeptical for me. At least for me, and I'm not referencing when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl in 1986 and 1996, but I believe it was nine Super Bowls with Tom Brady. They go six and three. But, man, every opportunity, you got to make the most of it, bro. Like, uh -huh. I, I don't want to be downtrodden, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that you sound like a happy to be here at all. But, yeah. like, dude, you got to fucking close the show, right? Like, wow. this yeah. loss is going to sting until the Joe Burrow Bengals break through, and I hope for your sake that 100%. they do. I, I couldn't. Right, well, as soon as we are done taping this episode, 
I am off to Perth, Western Australia for this championship doubleheader, UFC 284. I know y'all are going to be watching, but why not get in on the action as well with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, and new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Can Volkanovski make history as an Aussie double champ, or will the lightweight king Islam Makhachev reign supreme? A little bit closer on the money line for the interim featherweight title fight, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett, and another bettable fight as well. Perhaps you like Perth's own oncoming force, Jack Della Maddalena, or his opponent, the surging underdog, the Jamaican-American Randy Rude Boy Brown. Of course, if the Octagon excitement is not enough for you, not a problem. Football fans, don't forget, you can join the big game action this Sunday at DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code AFPOD. New customers bet $5 on UFC 284 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, real quickly, folks, call it a PSA, public service announcement. It's the pronunciation of the week. We're going to call on our executive producer, Cody Merrow. You know, you've heard me say this man's name already today. You heard me just say it in the DraftKings Sportsbook mm-hmm. commercial. Um, but it's Islam, and he's fighting Volkanovsky, and his name is often mispronounced. So a few days out from the title fight. Um, Cody, what do you have for us on the undisputed UFC lightweight champion? So I'm going to voice a god you here on this one, and I'm going to go oh, with uh, Islam Mahachev. Yeah, I mean, that's 2-0 and o out of the shoe for you. Let's hear him say it, but that's a Let's win. Let's go. Islam Mahachev. Islam Mahachev. So ultimately, Bad. folks, what we're really looking for is correct syllabic emphasis, right? So, yeah, you could say it's Islam or but ultimately, as long as we're all emphasizing the right syllable, right? Like you can say Alex Pereira or Pareda. I don't care if you roll the R's. No one sounds as good as Kenflo, right? But ultimately, we're trying to hit Makashev and hit that second syllable. So uh, Islam Makashev is the lightweight champion. Nicely done, Cody. We'll get your Super Bowl pick uh, later in the program. By the way, Brian Petrie, who do you like in the Super Bowl? One and a half, I believe, right now. Philly over Kansas City. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I can't root for the Chiefs. Give me, give me the Eagles. Give me the Eagles. Right. I know Philly. Philly's your favorite town, John. But give me the Eagles. Huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like Philadelphia. Me and Bilal, me and Bilal Muhammad will never be welcome back in the city of Philadelphia. Pittsburgh, incidentally, is America's most underrated city. But yeah, I don't think Bilal and I. Can you imagine if there's like a UFC event in Philly? I mean, they ain't trotting Bilal out there. There's no way. <laughs> all right, so let us up, update the standings. I know Brian Petrie's had a little bit of a challenging week all around. He's been under the weather. Uh, as far as your picks here, so you hit on Marcin Tabora, uh, but you did also go. have Derek Lewis, plus 195. Yeah. And did you go three units on the mixed martial artist formerly known as Da Un Jung, who is now Da Woon Jung? First off, I didn't know about the name change, so I think I like uh, that's an ass. I'm just kidding. Uh, I did. I went three, four units on it, and man, I was watching that fight after the first round when Devin Clark did not slow down. I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm I'm fucked here. All right, so that was a bet at minus two fifteen, three units. So it's minus six hundred and forty five dollars. That's your total for the week. Ken Flo on the other side hits on Marcin Tabora. Now you also missed on Da Woon Jung at minus two fifteen, but only one unit. And Ken Flo. Pulling out the Dover, Massachusetts testicles. He goes a three-unit play on Sergey Spivak. $690 bet that yields 300 And just like that, Ken Flo, plus 185 for the week. Now, plus $70 on the year. Petrie falls to minus 210 on the year. Is that right, BP? Yeah, yeah if you say so, it's you all trust right. Me. I mean, trust me. 
I've, I've been in bigger holes. We're okay. I got a big ladder. We'll get out of this. So I actually did make an initial error on the mathematics. I had only charged Kenny $100 for Daun Jung and then corrected mm-hmm. myself minus 215, but Kenflo still wins it. And he takes it, uh, the lead now, plus 70 to minus 210 yep. on the year as we come up on UFC 284, Makhachev versus Volkanovsky. The first fight for us is going to be your featured prelim. Tyson Pedro, minus 240. Modestus Bukowskis, plus 200. Brian Petrie, lead the dance. Yeah, you know, I've been high on Tyson Pedro. He missed a ton of time with with some injuries and and a lot of things going on in his life, but they've really done him some favors coming back. You know what I mean? They gave him Ike Villanueva and they gave him my old boy, Harry Hunsucker, and he's looked like him. He's buttsawed right through him. He's looked great. And then Bukowskis, the lasting memory I have in him was the knee blowout against Clear Roundtree, which is devastating. But since then, he's got two wins, coming off a knockout win. I believe this is on short notice. And, uh, you know, I know Bukakis went one and three in the UFC, not the most impressive wins in the world, but he scares me a little bit here. I'm a little uneasy because Pedro has, before the injury, he had some cardio issues. I mean, he lost a show, you know, Shogun. He had some real bad issues coming, uh, coming before the injury. And hopefully he's grown up and matured and has done things. He's looked great against a Harry Hunsucker. But Bukowski, same size, same style, very hard to kind of predict what he's done. So I'm very uneasy on this. I understand the line. Someone pranked me earlier this week. I fell for a Twitter trap. Someone said Tyson Pitcher open as a minus 1,000. And I about blew my head. I was like, what? No, Hammer Bukowski. But I- I'm going to stick with Pedro because I do think Tyson Pedro, I do think he's a better fighter. Uh, he's very good on the ground. His striking's coming a long way. He seems to be kind of clicking right now, but I'm uneasy, boys. I'm uneasy. I'm not long. I'm yeah. staying away from this one. Give me Pedro my no. decision. And you're right to sort of acknowledge the physicality of Modestus Bukowskis, who came back from that bad injury sustained against Khalil Roundtree Jr. Now, Kenny, he was cut by the UFC after that loss. Mm-hmm. It was his third in a row. Some thought it was heartless, but goes and gets two wins under the Cage Warriors banner and uh, gets a short-notice opportunity relatively here against Tyson Pedro. Your thoughts on this one here at 205 pounds? Yeah, I think Bukowskis is is a good fighter. I I think I'm still waiting for that win that tells me, okay, this is a guy that can stay in the UFC for a long time. I think Tyson Pedro has some uh, skills that stand out that really can kind of allow him uh, to, to get to get a win here in this fight. I, I just think he, he's going to hit a little bit harder. Um, I think he's faced a higher level uh, of competition, and for that reason, I'm going with Pedro as, as well. Longest pro win for Tyson Pedro, four minutes and 55 seconds. Probably could have used a little bit more than the uh, 65 seconds of octagon time accrued last August against your boy mm-hmm. Harry Hunsucker Jr. Oh, Harry. All right, pay-per-view main card opener. Also at 205 pounds, Jimmy Crute, the fucking Bendigo bomber, minus 230. <laughs> Alonzo Metafield is plus 195. Crute's last win came in October of 2020. He did not compete at all last year. Metafield on the other side, Bry, kind of on the rise, right? Unranked right yeah. now, but closes out 2022 yeah. with, with back-to-back stoppage wins. This is a big fight. Who do you have? It's a fun one, boys. This is a banger right here. Listen, Menafield kind of got the red carpet laid out for him after the contender series a little bit. He got a little bit of the sugar show treatment um, and then failed expectations just a little bit. I think it's more of a mental thing. I think physically, I mean, listen, when the guy pops his shirt off, we all know what the fuck we're talking about. Then guys, the guy's a real deal. Athletically great. He's got a great head coach, but mentally, I think it's just he needs to know that he's the killer that he's in there. He butchered that fraud, Asker Morozov. I don't even know if that's that, that guy's real name anymore. He lied about everything, which is, is a whole nother thing. And then he played uh-huh. bully ball with Sirkinov, right? This guy's got big, big power, and he's starting to round out his game. Cardio is obviously an issue because of all the muscles. 
Then you enter Jimmy Crude, who I've been on the wrong side every which way. I played him big, lost, faded him, lost. You know, I can't get this guy right. He's coming off a knockout over Sweet Dreams Hill, which is no, you know, who, I mean, who cares, right? That's the world champion in the world. You know, that guy's that guy's a champ. But it's the way he did it, right? He, he, he's like, hey, you're going to punch me in the face, I'm going to punch you in the face. Jimmy Crute's best ability is to get the fight to the ground, get on top of you, work some chokes. He's got a great Kimura. He's got several wins by Kimura. That's his game. And I feel like the Anthony Smith fight where, you know, he blew his leg out a little bit with the, with the nerve kick in the, in the Jamal Hill fight, he didn't do that. He needs to get back to that. Well, could he do that against Menefield? Possibly, if he fights smart. We're an Aussie. You know, they're going to be chanting them. They're going to be cr- going crazy. We're going to be banging it out. And if you're giving me a bang them out type fight, I'm going plus 195 Alonzo Menafield. Give me the dog by KO. Sorry, Aussie fans. I, I, that's just too good of a number, man. So it seems as though Ken Flo for Alonzo Menafield, he's going once again with just Patrick Joseph Barry in his corner. So just going with Pat Barry as the, as the sole corner man. Metafield 35, Jimmy Crute 27. I'm not sure if that factors into the handicap at all, but I know a lot of sharps sort of begin with age and build their mm-hmm. handicap around that. Uh, Ken Flo, Jimmy Crute, Alonzo Metafield will need a selection, not now, but right now. You're muted. These two are very similar fighters, um, both jacked, both um, you know, short, stocky, powerful guys. Um, and both guys who I think have way more potential than what we've seen. Um, I think both have a tendency also of making some poor decisions uh, during the fight. So to me, yeah, if, you know, even odds, I'm going with Crute. But because Menafield um, is an underdog here, uh, I, I got to go with Alonzo Menafield as well. I think he's got a shot. I think they're both going to be trading and both have a chance because of it. And, and I agree. I think the, the easiest path to victory is for Jimmy Crute to take this fight to the ground. He's going to be he's going to have an advantage on the ground. No question about it. Will he do that? I don't know. Fighting in your home country or in your hometown or whatever it is um, can be a blessing and a curse. And mm-hmm. to me, Jimmy Crute hasn't shown um, the, the composure necessary uh, to consistently win fights, in, in my opinion. I think he's got a ton of potential, but um, I think the odds here with Menafield uh, are a little too juicy. So I'm going with Menafield. That Jimmy Crude is an absolute bull, though, huh? Is he not? He is, I mean, man. Yeah. Easy got to root for with the mullet and everything else. Menafield, easy got to root for as well, has had a, uh, a a lot of adversity to overcome in his personal life. So uh big fight there to kick off the pay-per-view. Now we move along to the heavyweights. Justin, bad man, tough, a minus 140. Parker Porter, plus 120. So Porter submitted by the aforementioned Jailton Malyaginho Almeida in what was a non-competitive fight last May. He had won three straight prior, though, Brian. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, here he draws Justin Taffa, born in New Zealand, but reps Brisbane, Australia. Your thoughts on the heavies, yeah. BT? So I've said this multiple times. Parker Porter, I know you're watching, right? The minute your career is over, open a steakhouse. Call it Parker Porter Steakhouse. It's the best oh, name. It's right there for it. you, man. It's perfect. With that being said, like we got two dudes with a lot of meat on their bones right here, and they both have different styles. Parker Porter wants to get the fight to the ground. Four of his seven losses come by knockout, right? He likes being on top. He likes pressing that, pressing that, uh, putting that pressure on you. He's got huge legs. Not the tallest guy in the division, but he's obviously thick. Tafa, big power, explosive, deceiving athletic. He's very quick in there. He's got some good shots, but far from uncomfortable, far from comfortable off his back. Excuse me. Parker puts him there. It's a problem. Keeping it short and sweet. Plus 120. Give me Parker Porter. Uh, Stakes on Parker after the fight. 
Ken Flo Parker Porter is plus 120 against Justin Taffa, minus 140. Taffa comes from a fighting family, family of strikers, somewhat underwhelming, two and three in the UFC thus far. You aligned with BP, you going with Parker Porter, or do you like Justin Taffa? I am. I am aligned with him. I'm a little disappointed he went with him. But yeah, I think that for Taffa, um, you know, I, I think he's probably the more dangerous striker, but I think uh, Parker Porter. Uh, we'll find a way to get this uh, into some uh, grappling exchanges. And, and that's where he wins this fight. I think uh, he, he has good enough striking where he can set up his entries, get there safely. Uh, it would concern me if he decided to just start throwing down with Tafa, because I think that's where Tafa can win this fight. But again, uh, having those odds plus 120, uh, give me Parker Porter as well. All right, next up, we get to a featured bout at 170 pounds, and seemingly money continues to pour in on Perth's own Jack Della Maddalena, minus 325. Randy Brown, despite the four-fight winning streak, has swelled to a plus 270 underdog, and essentially, Sportsbook's got to respond, Bri, right? I mean, when we sent out the odds for the show, Jack Della Maddalena was minus 300, now minus three and a quarter, three and zero in the UFC, all in 2022, but a definite step up here for... Jack Della, Madalena, Brian Petrie. Don't worry, Ken Flo's leading the last two fights, but no, we're good. Here. We're good. I, listen, Ken. Ken's got to close the show. He's got. He's got to clean up my mess. I make. Uh, listen, I know it's only two names, but I call him Jackie. Three names. This guy is really high on my list of guys I'm looking out for. I mean, his confidence in the pocket, just everything's effortless. I mean, it truly, truly is. And this is a perfect fight for him because Randy Brown is feeling himself right now. Randy Brown is on a four-fight win streak, and he is loaded with confidence. He's starting to find his groove on the feet. He's 6'3". He's tall. He's lanky. Has a little bit of a chin issue. His defense is starting to get better, but there's still a little bit of a chin issue. And then against his last performance against Grandpa Trinaldo, Grandpa T out there, um, it was a lackluster performance to me. You know, out of his four wins, only one is by, uh, by finish. I want to see a little more when you're 32 years old and you're a rising star or you're at least – getting that bubble treatment. And this is such a good fight for Jack because now we get to know what he really is about. Randy Brown can take you down. Randy Brown is the bigger guy here. Randy Brown can stay at distance and piece you up. How good is Jack Dylan Milena? I think he's pretty goddamn good. I'm going with Jack Dylan Milena, but I think by KO as well. I think he's going to, he's going to touch Brown to the body, slow him down third round, late second, third round, slow him down, TKO and KO. Um, the number's way too high. This was, this was circle locked, right? I got to be careful now. I'm down some units, right? I got to be careful where I throw my locks around. So this is going to be not a lock for me, but pretty close to a lock. It's just a little high for me. But give me Dalamelina by uh, KO. It's a little bit tricky with the price. I think largely it is rooted in something you touched on. Jack Della Maddalena, more prolific finisher in this equation, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of UFC experience for Randy Brown. 10 UFC wins, but seemingly, Kenny, at least to this point of the week, not something that people seemingly are backing at the window. Jack Della Maddalena here at home, huge pop when he walks out. What are your thoughts on Randy Brown and Della Maddalena here at Welterweight? And I believe that's going to be a factor in a positive way for someone like uh, JDM here. I, I think that uh, Randy Brown is a guy that I've been looking at for a very long time. Both of these fighters have so much potential. Um, and the fact that they're facing each other, I think, is just tremendous matchmaking. So props to Sean Shelby uh, and Mick Maynard here. So uh, this, this is a tough one. From a betting perspective, this is almost as challenging as the main event here for me because I think Randy Brown can get it done with his length uh, and, and his fight IQ. 
Uh, however, I, I, I've been kind of waiting to see even more from him. We've seen flashes of brilliance out of him. His last fight, as Brian mentioned, wasn't one of those where um, I, I, I was kind of wowed. Um, I think that was an opportunity for him to wow the fans and kind of look like a star out there. He didn't. Um, and that doesn't bode well for him because he's facing a guy who's a high-pressure fighter who knows how to move off that center line uh, and land shots and angles and really confuse you. Um, the jab is a problem if you don't know how to slip and move and and counter. Jack, uh, Jack Della Maddalena knows how to do just that. And if he's able to win, win impressively, or even get a stoppage over someone like Randy Brown, uh, I think there's going to be some big fights in his future, and he's going to be someone who could someone we should be watching and will we'll fight, uh, fight for the belt in the future. So uh, awesome fight. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, although, uh, you know, he's kind of a big favorite here at minus 300, I like uh, Jack Della Maddalena as well. Give me, give me the, uh, the Aussie. If I'm Jack Della Maddalena, I'm having somebody get all of the clips of Kenny Florian talking about me over the last three years. I mean, fan. he fucking loves this I'm guy, Jack Della Maddalena. All right, Anna Florian, odd poll question this week. 67.6% .6 of respondents like Yair Rodriguez over Josh Emmett at 32.4% in the UFC's interim featherweight title fight. That will co-headline UFC 284. So let us get to it, Ken Flo. You will lead us off. Co-main event, Yaya Rodriguez minus 155. Josh Emmett plus 135. Slight movement over the last 48 hours towards Josh Emmett, who, by the way, has a new nickname. Maybe Ken Flo knows this. I don't know in the crypto space. Uh, written CC0, but pronounced CCO. So he will be Josh CCO Emmett. Um, ultimately, Kenny, we need to know, does he win the fight? First championship opportunity of any kind for both guys in the UFC, I believe. Josh Emmett is one of those guys that I really respect in the mixed martial arts space. Uh, he has proven his toughness time and time again. He has, um, you know, just dynamite in his hands, uh, really goes for it. Um, you know, a bit undersized, but always finds a way to at very least make it competitive. And uh, he's won a lot of tough fights uh, in the octagon. Um, has that wrestling background as well. Um, I think this is going to be a tough fight for him, though. Um, Yair Rodriguez is lightning fast. I talk about this every single time, and every time I see him fight, I was like, man, this guy moves fast. His kicks, his ability to stay at range, and he's proven himself to be very, very tough. Don't be fooled by the good looks. Uh, he's a dog. Um, he, he knows how to fight. He knows how to come back from adversity. Um, and, and I think he, he's underrated as far as his uh, intelligence inside the cage as well. So I think this is a big challenge for him. Um, you know, Emmett has the ability to put anyone to sleep. But I think Rodriguez and his improving skills and, and the fact that um, he, he's young and hungry, I, I have that going in his favor. I, I like Yair Rodriguez here. Um, I, I don't think he gets the finish, but I do see him getting a decision win. Having all that uh, high-level fight experience, I, I think, has put him in this spot um, in, in, in a pretty perfect way. So I think he's, he's set up well here uh, to get the win. But uh, I hate going against Josh because he's kind of always underappreciated and underestimated. Um, but uh, give me Rodriguez. Nicely done, Ken Flo. Yair Rodriguez had that win on ABC against Brian T. City Ortega due to injury, but caused in large part by Rodriguez. And seemingly, Brian, he 
respectfully was the man around whom this interim featherweight championship mm-hmm. fight was built. Uh, Josh Emmett, of course, deservedly getting his first championship opportunity. Five straight wins, 18 and two overall. I mean, Josh Emmett has had a near perfect MMA career, but the time has got to be now. Brian Petrie, any value on Emmett or do you like uh, Yaya Rodriguez? Uh, I love the fight. And for, I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, obviously I'm part of the Anakin Florian family, but Kenny was one of the few analysts that said, Hey, listen, I know Brian hurt his shoulder, but why did he hurt his shoulder? It's because he got his fucking arm snatched up. Yair was pulling on it. Right. So props to Kenny for doing that. I love this fight. And props to Volkanovsky for going, you know what? I'm going up. Let these guys fight. I don't want to hold up the vision. I'll pop down when I'm ready. That's a cool thing to do. That's a dude who's just, yeah. Self-aware and confident, just all his abilities. But it's an absolute banger. Both guys couldn't be more different, in my opinion, right? We got a guy who got pushed right off the ultimate fighter, has a whole country behind him, flashy, maybe got rushed a little too soon when you think about it. And yeah, yeah, Rodriguez. Then you got Emmett, who was just another Faber guy, right? Oh, wrestler from Sacramento, right? And then he gets KO'd by Jeremy Stevens. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, but then he starts KOing everyone else. And Dumb people like me can't get over the knockout over Jeremy Stevens. Like, oh, this dude's a real fucking guy here. He can crack. Problem is, he hasn't had a knockout since 2019 when he was 34 years old, right? 37 now. That worries me a little bit. Yes, he's fighting better competition, but he's had opportunities. His timing, his powers, everything's beautiful. But that's not going to matter when you get just a guy like Yaya Riguez. My biggest complaint about Yaya Riguez is his inconsistency. He doesn't fight enough, right? Emmett gets hurt, misses nine months almost every time he fights, right? Yair, I don't know if he gets hurt, he sits, sits out, whatever. But when he comes back, he's a better fighter. And he's improved. And you can tell he's improving. He's, he's getting all this in. He's already a special fighter. He's becoming more special. So this is actually a really tough fight for me to pick because I like the number on Emmett and I like Yair Rodriguez. But then it just dawned on me, like, go fucking Rodriguez. Nuts on the table. I think a head kick knockout is going to be something I'm going to look forward to. Yair's got really powerful kicks. He knocked out Andre Philly with a really jumping kick. So I'm going to pinpoint a knockout here by Yair Rodriguez. And I'm going to go ahead and give you my mortal lock as well. Of course you are. Go crazy. Give me one unit, right? Minus 155, one unit. That's a perfect, great, nice bet right there. Uh, but yeah, I just, for some reason, the more I broke this down, the more confident I got in Yair. All right. I love it. You guys are getting me excited to actually get on a metal tube for, uh, for 37 <laughs> hours door to door. All right. Main event, the historic meeting between... The lightweight champion, Islam Akashev, and the featherweight champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Makashev, minus 380 right now. Volkanovsky can be had at plus 310, despite the fact that he is 25-1, and 12-0 in the UFC, and has won 22 consecutive fights. Kenny Florian, we need a main event selection. I know that you have sort of waffled, and the price sort of factors so prominently great. in that equation, but... We need a selection. Ken Flo, which way are you going? Oh, man. It's a phenomenal fight. Uh, you know, I, I just watched uh, Alexander Volkanovsky's fight against Holloway, and Holloway looks like he towers over him. And I go, oh, no, he's got to deal with Islam Mahashev, a massive lightweight. Like, ah, oh, wow. Like, huh. Isla, Islam is, is, is huge. He's strong. He has a, a level of wrestling that you rarely see. Uh, in mixed martial arts, you know, he's so dominant with that uh, and so elite. He can get you down. And the problem is he can control you. He knows how to keep you down. Um, I don't see him necessarily being a submission threat against Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky is built like a fire hydrant. He's got T-Rex arm, T-Rex legs. He's got no neck. Um, and I, 
I, I could see him maybe getting a TKO or something like that, or or maybe just grinding him down and getting that decision win. Uh, but I, I don't see him um, finishing him. If he does, I think he's got to do it early um, because Volkanovski tends to uh, like a lot of great fighters, like a lot of intelligent fighters. He 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 analyzes you, he figures you out, and then he picks you apart. And over time, he starts to run away from you. And I think this is what he needs to do against someone like Islam Mahashev. How does he do that against someone? Who's that big? You know, does Volkanovsky have the power to knock out Islam Mahashev? I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be tough. We have seen Islam Mahashev get knocked out. It was his debut. I believe we called that fight, John. Um, but at this stage of the game happening um, with a 145 pounder, I, I don't think so. I think if someone's going to win here, it's probably going to be by decision. Um, but I think the longer the fight go, goes, the more it favors Volkanovsky. Where it could throw off Islam Mahashev here is the footwork. That's that's where he needs to get it done. When, when Mahashev gets his hands on you, uh, it's going to be very difficult for Volkanovsky to out-wrestle him there. What he has going for him is the fact that he's short and stocky. It's going to be harder for Mahashev to get underneath that center of gravity. Um, but I think early, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mahashev all over Volkanovsky. If Volkanovsky is able to... You know, survive those rounds, get back to his feet, um, and, and let Mahashev know it's not going to be easy and he's not going to get the submission. That's where I think Volkanovsky can start to do some serious work and outpoint someone like Islam Mahashev. Uh, if these odds were a little bit closer, I would go with Islam, but I am going to go with Volkanovsky. I, I've, I have uh, underestimated him many times. I think the price is too good for him. I would like to go with Volkanovsky, and I think if he's able to survive those first 10 minutes, I think Volkanovsky will find a way. Whew. All right. Alexander Volkanovsky plus 310. On the other side, the favorite, perhaps prohibitive favorite, Islam Makashev, had to win 10 consecutive fights to set up this title fight. I believe he won his UFC debut. Then he was knocked out by Adriano Martins. 10 straight wins. Submits Charles Oliveira in round two at UFC 280 back in October in Abu Dhabi to win the title. And his first title defense comes against this all-time great featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. Brian Petrie, Ken Flo has sort of laid out the carpet. He's on the Volkanovsky yeah. side. Which way are you yeah. going? Is it fucking Saturday yet? Because, man, uh -huh. I'm, I'm sweating a little bit here, boys. I'm, I'm cold in my house. I'm sweating. This I have been on record saying I don't love champ versus champ. I think it's, this is perfect. I want to see this fight. Both guys are so confident. When I watch Alexander Volkanovsky speak, even when this fight first got announced, like, yeah, he can maybe take me down, but he can't hold me down. And Islam, all he does is be able to hold people down. It's like, whoa. We have a battle of number one pound for pound versus number two pound for pound. Styles make matchups. I love it. What I had to do was I had to go back and I had to look at similar fights, right? Volkanovski's fought a couple grapplers, but the one guy he really fought, really wrestling heavy base was Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes got him down, and I don't want to get an argument with DC. It could have been a mat return, could not have been a mat return, but Chad Mendes went in there and shot on Volkanovski quite a bit and got him down a little bit. Volkanovski always got back to his feet, got rocked in that fight a little bit by Mendes. And, uh, but obviously, we all knew what happened. Uh, Mokanovsky put him away. And then you look at the Sarukin fight with Islam. Sarukin, a small, compact guy. Islam took him down. Yes, it was short notice. Maybe Islam wasn't planning for it. But Islam, or excuse me, Sarukin got back up to his feet. 
And the X factor to me is I'm, I, I love this sport. I'm in, I'm all in. I love jujitsu. I love everything. Craig Jones, who Kenny knows is a phenomenal jujitsu practitioner. And he's really ahead of the game mentally. A lot of jujitsu guys go, no, no, no. I'm a black belt in jujitsu. My jujitsu is better. He's been saying for months, I got to figure out what these Dagestani guys are doing. I got to figure out what these Russians are doing. And that is who uh, Volkanovski has been working with, with Frank Hickman as well in his camp, which I love. So that just adds another layer to this. But what it boils down to is the X's and O's. I think you got Islam. Could he hold Volkanovski down? Maybe. I don't think Islam can stand with Volkanovski. I know Islam stand up is better than this and that. The footwork, the, the speed, the timing of Volkanovski, the, everything is just better. It just is. I'm sorry. But Volkanovski, or excuse me, Islam does have the sides. So you got to look at that. But when it comes down to it, I'm a fucking gambler. And when you're giving me the number one pound for pound fight in the world at plus 310, you hammer the shit out of it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm with Kenny here. I think Volk by decision is a gorgeous number. I don't think he can finish Islam because there is a size discrepancy. But, oh, man, I love this fight. I love this fight. I've been chewing on it for weeks. I love it. I love hearing you guys break it down. And it's interesting, right? Volkanovsky was as high as, I think, plus 330 on DraftKings Sportsbook, now down to plus 310, right? But in terms of quantifying this upset, if it happens, as one of the biggest in UFC history, it's just not that, right? Mm -hmm. As great as we think Islam Akashev is, it's just not that. Now, Mm -hmm. if Islam Akashev goes on to become the greatest lightweight champion in UFC history with five to seven title defenses, then maybe, and this is a wash, right? Mm -hmm. And that maybe predicted early Islam Akashev domination ends up being the narrative in the fight. You know, then maybe retroactively we say, yeah, you know what? That would have been a pretty big upset if Volkanovski in that form had beaten the lightweight champion. But I don't even think this would be like top hundred upset. Yeah, I agree. You have to hit not, you know, so, and I understand you guys obviously are asked to make a prediction based upon the betting line, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not like a pistol to temple conversation. And they both like Volkanovski at plus 310. One other thing that's interesting, and uh, I know you guys got to go. Um, well, Kenny's not leaving, but you got to go. Yeah. Um, Volkanovski has one career loss, and it came at 170 mm-hmm. pounds as yeah. a welterweight, you know? So I think there are a lot of unknowns when it comes to how he'll size up at 55, and uh, we get some answers here in a few days. So, uh, Brian Petrie, what do you got coming up on the MMA Takes podcast? Just I'm going live. Usually I take I take my stuff and edit it. I'll be live Wednesday night on MMA Takes Podcast on YouTube uh, to break this fight down. It's a big one. I got I to gotta go live. I got to go uh, have some fun with it. So pop over there Wednesday at 8 p.m. and we'll have some fun. That's it. At Brian Petrie MMA on social media. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. See you, boys. See you, dude. There he is. Big gun, Brian Petrie. Uh, I'm always curious for a guy like that. What's his like pay-per-view routine? Now, for you, you got PFL Challenger Series. You're going back to Orlando, Florida. So you land Saturday morning back at home or something like that. Yeah, is that right? Exactly. So yeah. will you be able to stay awake for this pay-per-view? Be honest with me. So, dude, usually I, I, I wrap up uh, past midnight, so I'm exhausted. And, you know, I have a coffee before one of the shows, so I don't really go to sleep till like, 2.30. I wake up, like, 6.30. I got my, my daughter's birthday on Saturday, so oh. I'll be, like, celebrating Saturday. So I can't really t- – I hope I can take a nap, but I don't think I'm going to be able to take a nap. So um, it's going to be – I'm going to be in Struggle Town on Saturday. But, I, yeah, I, I, I like watching it live if I can. Um, so I'm going to do my best to, to – uh, do some kind of uh, cheat nap or something so I can watch it uh, late night. Well, we always love that uh, hostile Ken flow on Twitter when he does watch live. It's a little bit harder to tweet. You know, I was going to push out a Sergey Spivak tweet this morning when I was watching it and uh, it fails yeah. to have the same effect. But yes, 
No, live sporting events, there's nothing quite like it. I understand trying to fight through the pain and watch it live. And a lot of our European and international listeners and viewers, that's their reality, 41 or 42 weekends a year. One thing that I want to get to before we get to Sean Sheehan, in terms of the promotion for Islam Akashev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Some people have bemoaned the fact that maybe Power Slap is getting too much love on the UFC social channels or just that this fight is not getting the shine that it deserved either with a world tour or in the preamble leading up to this fight. The only thing I'll say is that we had a pay-per-view in Rio de Janeiro a few weeks ago, and that was the first time we had been to Brazil in four years. Now, this is a huge deal. Can't wait to go to Perth, Western Australia, but sometimes this is just the nature of the beast, right? 41 shows a year. Like, if there were 30 shows a year and you had more gaps, it would allow for more time to build these live events, you know? Obviously, I didn't call the fights that happened this past weekend with Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. But for some of us, we can't turn the page when it comes to our social and our promotional um, until we get through that last fight card. So I just thought I would uh, share that. But we're excited to ramp it the fuck up and uh, get to Perth here in a couple of days. But now we do have our man. So joining us for the first time, actually in a long time. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah. We are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. He's the host of the Severe MMA podcast, The Sheehan Show on SureDog on Twitter. You can find him at Sean Sheehan BA. The great Sean Sheehan is with us. Good day, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It was a, it was a long night last night. Uh, the main card started at 6 a.m. here. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was falling asleep during, <laughs> during the comment of it and the main, main event. Now, I'm usually pretty good. I'm used to staying up all night, but yeah, that was an extra long one because it was Bellator as well. So, yeah, it was, a, oh, it was yeah. a long night, but we got through it. It wasn't too bad. I'd imagine at some point your significant other intervenes and socially, maybe you will watch one of these shows tape delayed or do you always try to watch them live? I always try to watch them live. Always. Um, I did recently, I think it was the first card of the year, which, whichever one that one, my, my, my memory shot. Uh, and I did watch it and I woke up the next day and I literally watched the whole card in like an hour. I'm like, why don't I do this all the time? It's <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest thing ever. But I, I, I just put myself through that pain weekly and I, I'm not sure why, honestly, but I'm, you know, I'm used to it. Yeah. Now. I thought about avoiding spoilers last weekend for Sergey Spivak and Derek Lewis, and then I checked my UFC email, and I knew the result would be in there. But no, I really got to go to UFC Fight Pass and not ESPN Plus, because if I go to ESPN Plus, I see a 12-minute video. I know the main event probably ended in round one. But it's good to see you. Uh, obviously, you guys at Severe MMA were the first to break the news that Conor McGregor would be coaching on the next season of The Ultimate Fighter. So, you know, I want your thoughts on his decision to do that. I mean, ultimately, I'm more concerned with September and when he can Peach, but um, your thoughts on Connor making the decision to be a part of what could really be some great content if he's all in returning to the ultimate fight. I think it's a very interesting decision and I'm more concerned about 
McGregor getting back to what we know Conor McGregor can be inside the cage and all the content uh, and anything else. And it's funny you mentioned the content and you mentioned my significant daughter a minute ago. Yesterday we sat down and we were just watching like YouTube or whatever. And this video came up. I think it was a 24 minute video, maybe from BT Sports of McGregor's best moments in the tough house. And we literally sat there laughing for 24 minutes. It was just it, like you almost forget sometimes how hilarious he actually was. So when he gets back into that sort of thing, I think he'll be hilarious again and people will start to like him again and people will start to fall in love with him again. So I think it's great for that. But for McGregor himself as a fighter, he said one thing and, you know, he put up that Instagram post and he was like, I need full immersion. And I think if this can give him full immersion where he's gone in there and he's training with these guys day in, day out for, you know, week after week and month after month and then gone into his own camp, I think that's exactly what he would need. So it's very hard for him to actually get that anywhere else at any other time because he's a film, he's, he's whiskey and all this. I don't know if you saw The, the Rock this year, he, there was talks of him being in uh, in WrestleMania, but he didn't have enough time to get in shape to, to do his WrestleMania match. And in last year, it was like, am I going to have time at that time? Am I going to be doing a film? Do I, you know, have, is my tequila going to have something? That, it's guys like that who are at the very top level, who have businesses inside of, of their, you know, their, their chosen athletic endeavor, have so many things to actually consider before they can say, yes, I'm going to do this, before they can put enough time into getting back to where they need to get to physically. That's nigh on impossible unless you have something that you're going to say, right, I'm signing up for the next six months. It's full immersion, three months in tough, three months preparing for the fight, and then I'm back. That's exactly what he needs. Like, is that going to work? Is he going to be injury-free? Is he going to actually get back to his best? Who knows? But it's, I think it's a good sign. If you're a fan of Conor McGregor as a fighter, that's what you want. He talked about that season before where he had three fights in one year, and then obviously the pandemic came and all of that. But he knows that himself. The Chandler fight's a tough fight to start with. Make no mistake about that. But I think that is a, possibly a good way of actually doing it. That is interesting. And I hadn't totally thought about that six months of potential Las Vegas immersion, even if he leaves at times, you know, inevitably there's got to be some value for him. I would think in, in having the UFC performance Institute to whatever degree, I know he's a man with great resources Um, real quick. And Kenny, I will let you chime in just in terms of him as a master articulator and orator, right? As somebody who is paid to talk for a living, right? I don't know that I've ever seen anybody or heard anybody quite like Conor McGregor in terms of his combination for quick wit, comedic timing in the moment. Like he puts a guy like me who's paid to orate to absolute shame. So I do hope that he is all in because yeah, you're talking about that 20 plus minute clip and dude, yeah, like in fucking stitches the whole goddamn time, but he wasn't necessarily all in even for that season. And if he is all in, um, I look forward to the brilliance. I just want to get that out. Yeah. I think it's interesting because like Irish people wouldn't say what you said there because we know, a, I know 10 lads like Conor McGregor, you know, who talk like him and who have the gift to the gab like him. And, uh, you know, so I remember there was a friend of mine, he's from Wexford, you know, the, in the east of Ireland. He's like, you know, Conor McGregor be light work in the, in the, ah, part of the, in the verbal like, setting. That's interesting. Yeah, in yeah. the verbal setting. Yeah. So I suppose it's, 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 it's usual for that. But I also think it's interesting, right? Because, in that setting, McGregor had Artem, well, at the time, obviously, they were good friends and a few more of the Irish guys. And, uh, you know, John Cavanaugh, I believe, is going to be winning over there. And there's talks of a couple of Irish guys maybe getting into tough. I'm sure McGregor will have a bit of a pull and maybe be able to get a couple of them into the house. When 
he has Irish people with him. He, he's always a little bit better because he puts on like a bit of an accent sometimes when he's talking to American people or when he's just so they can understand him a little bit better. But I did an interview with him last year and people were saying, oh, it was a great interview. It sounds like the old McGregor, but it's only because he's able to like speak in his own accent, speak the way he does. And maybe it's a small thing to other people, but I think Irish people notice that a lot. And if he is surrounded maybe by his own team, which I think he will be, and if there are a few guys in the house from his team, I think that could also lead to kind of the orator McGregor being back at his best. Sean, what do you think about the matchup? You know, John posed this question to me earlier in the week. Uh, it's, at, it's at 170 pounds against Michael Chandler, a guy who uh, likes to walk that fine line of, of being reckless and dangerous. You know, um, what do you think about the matchup? Is, it, is that the right fight for, for Connor at this stage of his career? I, I don't think so. No, I, I think it's like we sometimes we forget, right, that Conor McGregor is a guy who has taken long absences from MMA when boxing. Yeah, like he, he's had big injuries throughout his career. Another one now just coming off of it. And to put him back in against there, like, like someone against someone like Michael Chandler. I, th- I think it's too much. I think the Tony Ferguson fight made so much sense. Like and maybe people say, oh, Tony's lost a lot of fights and he's not what he used to be. Like McGregor's not what he used to be either, and he's lost a few fights in a row. I think it's fair matchmaking. One of them wins, okay, they they go down the, the line, and one of them wins, they go up the line, and maybe Dana Michael Chandler fight would make sense. But you can never question Conor McGregor's balls, I suppose, if you want to put it that way. He came back after the Floyd Mayweather fight and fought Habib Nurmagomedov in his first fight back. This is a guy who fought in 11 months. We all know that 11-month stretch with the, with the four fights. Jose Aldo, Nate Diaz twice, and Eddie Alvarez. In 11 months, that stretch, and a loss in the middle of that. And I think like a lot of people have this, oh, he fought in a Seaver and all of that on the way up, and he was, you know, he was babied on the way up. He really fought Max Holloway on the way up. And, you right. know, he, he's, he's had some very, very tough fights. And he is a guy who will take on all challenges. All the stories you hear about him, you know, turning over in bed and Jose Aldo's out. And he's like, yeah, Chad Minas, fine. Turn around, went back to sleep. You know, those are all maybe right. not necessarily exactly true like that. But he does. He will take on all comers and he'll be happy. But the other big thing is, right, and sometimes... Uh, People don't like to look at it, say, from the UFC's point of view or from the promotion's point of view. But when you have Conor McGregor, you have to put him into like a headlining spot. It has to be a big spot. You can't you can't work McGregor back. You can't put McGregor into even a fight in Ireland here because it's at the wrong time for the pay-per-views. Or if you can't put him on a fight night headliner, even against someone like a Ferguson or a lower down opponent or opening a guard because he is the greatest star in the history of the sport. McGregor on his way back will draw more in the pay-per-view, uh, you know, boys than anyone else in the sport at the top of their game. So there's a responsibility of the UFC there if they're charging people however much it costs over in America to buy these fights and it'll cost us here now as well with McGregor. But there's a responsibility to give a big fight that makes sense with a ranked guy like Michael Chandler. So I can understand it from that point of view. I think they should be looking more long-term than that. Look at three fights instead of one fight because if he loses here... What are you going to do then? Like you're maybe going to have to do what I just said and push him back a little bit and give him a bit of easier matchmaking if he wants to fight again. And if you don't give him that now, if he loses that, maybe he won't ever fight again. And then you've lost McGregor. So I think it's a risky one. I'm not sure. Like if you were to ask me who wins between Conor McGregor at his very best, Michael Chandler at his very best, Conor McGregor wins that fight every day of the week, in my opinion. Saying goes for Tony Ferguson and all that. But Conor McGregor just can't be at his best at the moment. Can the six months get him back to his best? 
probably not. Can it get him back to somewhere near his best? Hopefully. But that's a big risk to take with like the biggest star in the history of the sport. But it'll be interesting to see if he pulls it off. And if he does, well, he's he's all in then. He's back and he's right up there near the top. I just wonder what version of Connor it's going to be, right? Because I feel like the spectrum seemingly is pretty wide. But I think the competitor in him will really maximize those six months and we'll see a really good version. I mean, I thought he would be the betting favorite. I know there's a layoff. It's minus 110 on both sides. Full disclosure, I thought he would be the betting favorite. And at least if he wasn't, I thought he would be bet to that point in time at 170 pounds. We'll ultimately see where it closes. Um, In terms of the timeline, August, September, I mean, is that what your expectation is that this is going to be about third quarter? We'll see Conor McGregor and you think we'll see him stateside, yes? I would say so. It's more than likely going to be in Vegas or New York, maybe. One one interesting fact, Conor McGregor has a knockout in every month of the year except August. So I wonder there if that, go. like, he, he's a guy who thinks about things like that. And I just wonder, <laughs> like, let's, let's push it back a couple of weeks from the September card to the August card, get it on that. Maybe that will happen. But, uh, yeah, it's a big fight. It's something to look forward to. You know, we've so many things out to look forward to in the UFC with, obviously, the massive fight uh, coming up, uh, the, the super fight, and then we've John Jones coming back and now McGregor as well. So it's great. It's great to have these things to, to look forward to and the season of tough as well. I know a lot of people have fallen out of love with tough. To be able to look forward to another season of that is, is very good as well. And I do want to have one of those other 10 Irish orators on the Anakin Florian podcast to roast me at some point in time, because I don't trot that praise out there casually. I think his ability to react in the moment and having been in a lot of situations that are verbally challenging myself, I give him a lot of credit. None of the material ever seems scripted to me, Um, but feel free to bring one of those guys at me anytime you want. All right. A few more minutes here with the great Sean Sheehan. So, a few days out from this matchup between Islam Makashev and Alexander Volkanovsky. And I think a lot of handicappers like the value on Volk at plus 310, even if this isn't your most natural championship defense against a top five lightweight. How do you handicap Alexander Volkanovsky's chances? And, and what is your appetite for this particular matchup? Oh, uh, I. I uh- can't wait for this. This is, you know, we spoke about all the other fights. This is a fight that I want to watch the most. I, I, I There was a fight always, and maybe it's, uh, maybe it doesn't look as good now as it did at the time, but Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. I remember coming into that, you know, when Cody was after beating Dominic and all of that. I remember just thinking, how does this fight go? I like, there's so, two such good technical fighters at the time. And obviously a lot of things have changed since, but this is another one to me. It's like, there's no great fanfare around either of them. You know, okay. They, we have the Habib stuff with Islam and all of that. And Volkanovski and the fact that they are two of the top pound for pound fighters in the world. But I think this is the hardcore, hardcore fight. Funnily enough, when it's even two champions, because the, like the technical ability of both of these guys is so high. And if you're talking about the debating odds, I think it's far too wide as well far too wide because one thing we don't respect enough is like the high level ability of someone like Volkanovsky you know I've Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson there behind my head and I will die on the hill that he's the greatest fighter of all time he's just absolutely brilliant and I would never compare anyone to him except Volkanovsky like he's the first one I've seen I think that has reached that level of comfort in the cage where he can just do everything almost without thinking while staying in the perfect like defensive position to put his offense out there he's just absolutely unbelievable and it feels sometimes we say oh well this guy's a really good wrestler he's going to beat everyone and we ignore the fact that Volkanovski is so exceptional in all areas and another part as well and I've said this for a few years now but I don't think 
people like even myself and you, John, Kenny might be a little bit different or other top level fighters. We don't understand how good Volkanovsky is because it's too complicated. He's literally, he's so good that the, the you know, the, the yeah. eye oh, yeah. outside cannot understand it. I've, I've, I've already done two previews for this fight and I, I think I could do 10 previews for this fight. I love it so much. But like for me, looking at it from the outside point of view, I just look at Volkanovsky and the way that he can stay like so fundamentally safe in the way he fights while continually changing everything he does. We mentioned the word variation an awful lot in MMA when we're breaking down fights. There's probably no more varied fighter in the world than Volkanovski, yet he can stay in a position where he's defensively sound enough to go in against a guy like Korean Zombie, absolutely take him apart and not get any shots landed on his own face or head himself. It's, it's incredible to do that. And to write a guy like that off, whether it's a price or whether it's a... Uh, Makachev is definitely going to win to me is, is incredible now Makachev is very 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 good and has the size advantage and all of that but I would never write off Volkanovski I have so much admiration for him and that's the big reason can can his brilliant ability beat the unbelievable wrestling ability and the striking as well of Makachev we can't leave that to a side we don't know. And that's the reason why the fights happen and why we close the cage and John Anik, uh, uh, you know, says the fight's about to start and we sit down and we watch it and we enjoy it. And I, this is, this is the one I'm looking forward to this year. I cannot wait for it. I love the way you set that up. And I'm so excited to have a long form conversation with you. That isn't totally rooted in judging and scoring because you have so much more to offer on that front. Sean Sheehan with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And I love the Demetrius Johnson comparison because you're right. Like what Volkanovsky's doing it is beyond my brain wavelength largely in terms of the sophistication of it. But the Demetrius Johnson comparison sort of that crystallizes it for me, right? Just everything slows down for the guy. And you're right. He's able to just fight on instinct because he is just so comfortable in there. All right. A few quickies on the way out, Sean Sheehan. Factor fiction, Ian Gary at some point will be in the UFC's top five at welterweight. I'll go facts because I might meet him and he'll kill me if I say uh-huh. fiction. Right. So, no, I, I, I like the, the one thing about Ian Gary is right, and I know this is supposed to be quick fire, but no, small, I interview a lot of fighters, and every almost every single one of them says, I'm going to be champion, I'm going to be the best in the world, I'm already the best in the world. And he says that as well, don't make no mistake about it. But he also, from very early in his career, has said that I need to improve. I need to hit this target, this target, this target to get to here. And I think that's a very, very good sign. So I think he has the right attitude. He's moved to a very good place and a very good gym. And uh, he's an unbelievable athlete as well. And yeah, I think he'd be in the top five. No, nicely done. And yes, that's something we've talked about on the broadcast. He has the right mindset. And I think from a matchmaking standpoint, they're doing the right thing. So um All right, so, and I could have said buy or sell, Ian Gary will fight for the UFC title or be the UFC champion. I went top five, right? I was trying to sort of do the diplomatic thing. All right. I appreciate it. Over, under, over, under two and a half more career UFC fights lifetime for Conor McGregor. And I think this question, right, I almost shoved it up to three and a half when you sort of mentioned this Chandler fight versus a Ferguson fight. You know, I do think Conor McGregor may play the long game, but I set the total at two and a half over under two and a half more UFC fights for Conor McGregor. I'm going to go over because I, I think it'll go well, this six months thing. I think he'll beat Chandler and he'll definitely have one more and that'll be two. And then he'll surely have another one somewhere. Yeah, so I'll, right. I'll go All with right. you. Over. All right. 
Uh, quick thought on Leon Edwards, Kamar Usman. Right now, Kamar Usman minus 245. Leon Edwards plus 205 for this trilogy matchup coming up at UFC 286. Gilbert Burns has said because of the altitude that won't be the factor it was in Salt Lake City, Utah. He likes Leon Edwards in this third meeting. Any early lean from you on that fight? I think the mindset of Kamar Usman is the most interesting thing here. I remember I, I talked to Michael Bisping before the third McGregor Poirier fight. Uh, you know, it was the first time McGregor was ever knocked out. I remember mentioning to him about like the the Hindo fight where he was obviously knocked out very heavily. And like, how do you come back from that mindset wise? And he kind of told me after his next fight, he was standing there backstage. And he was like thinking, am I going to get sparked again? Like I did the last time. And, Usman is going to be thinking the same thing. It's only natural, but how is that going to affect him? Like if Usman comes in and he, he he approaches the fight the exact same way, fights the exact same way, I think he'll win because he was winning that fight. He was the better man throughout that fight and Leon Edwards landed a, a spectacular knockout. If he doesn't, if the mindset's a little bit off, if he's 1% off in terms of his, uh, I suppose, his, his confidence in doing things throughout the fight... That's going to be massive because Leon Edwards is a very, very good fighter and his confidence will probably have exploded from that and gone up and up yeah, and up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a big one for mindset because it's, it's very hard. It's an intangible, you know, you get, uh, for, for the people outside of it, the fighters and the coaches and stuff obviously yeah. can understand it and see it. But that for me is a massive thing here. And I'm unsure how we'll actually deal with that. I, mm. And I don't think I've ever met a fighter who's been knocked out and their chin has been better after the fact. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah. Sean, before we let you go, to what extent is the NFL Super Bowl on your radar? Will you watch that or no? I will. Yeah, I, I always watch the. I always watch the Super Bowl. I've watched. Uh, I watched a couple of games this year, but it's obviously it's very tough because it's Sunday for me. Oh yeah. And Sunday is my podcast recording day, but also the day I have like two hours sleep on the Saturday right. night, and I usually fall asleep at like half nine or something like that. But yeah, no, I, I've always watched it. Um, I used to be a big Packers fan and watched all their uh, games and all everything like that. But in the last few years, it's been um, few and far between. But yeah, yeah I'm, uh, who's it? Mahomes and Burrow? Is that it? There you Burrow? go. Well, Burrow's out now. So Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, but you're halfway oh. there. Okay. Hey, so you got to prioritize, you know, got to prioritize. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's on social media, you can find him at Sean Sheehan BA. Appreciate your insight, your intelligence as usual. And uh, I say Boston, Massachusetts, by the way, for the Conor McGregor fight uh, third quarter. So we'll see uh, it. if it happens in the bean. All right, Sean, thank you, brother. I know it's a busy day for you. We appreciate the time sincerely. Lovely. Thanks for having me, lads. See you. See you, Sean. Love that guy. Sean Sheehan with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. And nice to get through 20 minutes with him and not ask a judging or scoring question because obviously he is my foremost resource when it comes to that stuff. But uh, thankfully, didn't have to go in that direction today. All right. Thank you all for watching the show. We are live from Perth, Australia on ESPN Plus pay-per-view coming up this Saturday night. And then we are right back with you to recap it probably going to be monday it's a pretty long travel for me as many of you know but most likely monday february 13th if not valentine's day full recap of ufc 284 here on the anakin florian podcast thanks to brian petrie thank you of course to sean sheehan our executive producer cody Merrow, and the great kenny florian tell your friends subscribe to the channel thank you for watching and for listening we don't take your viewership for granted the show will never be behind a paywall tell your friends tell your mom We'll see you next week. Go later.
Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. 